Well, good morning. Welcome to each one of you. I hope indeed that you've had a wonderful week. And I too want to say happy birthday to all of you who are celebrating. And it's exciting. I know that in our church specifically, we have a lot of January babies, right? And so uh, all of you who are celebrating, um, most we, we know of or we try to, to know of, but even others of you who we may not know that you're celebrating, God bless you, and we're happy to have you with us today. Well, would you turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 18? And as you're turning there, 2 Chronicles chapter 18, we're going to start at verse 28 today. And in my previous two messages, we talked of Jehoshaphat becoming the fourth king of Judah. And he pleased God by when he became king, he started to break down all the idols and the Asherah poles. He sent out prophets and priests into the land to help educate the people and to teach them about God's law and help them to turn back to God and to change their ways. We see that God blessed him and he experienced peace in the surrounding kingdoms. And all those around had peace with him. Then we see he formed an alliance with King Ahab, who was the king of Israel. And in our last message last week, we saw that Ahab wanted Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, to go into battle with his troops, with Ahab and the troops from Israel, and to battle against Ramoth Gilead to bring them back and to recover uh, that land here. So Jehoshaphat did the right thing by inquiring of the Lord and asking and seeking if this was what God wanted. We saw 400 prophets come and all say, yes, go ahead, you're going to have victory. And then the one true prophet of God, Micaiah, who came and spoke the truth, told them not to go, told them not to go. And we're not going to read the the rest of of that story. You can do that at another time, but I'm going to summarize it for you. So Micaiah told them not to go because this was not what God wanted. And in fact, if they went, then they were disobeying what God wanted and Ahab would be killed in battle. So he warned them. He gave them a warning from God not to go into battle. And so we'll pick up the story from verse 28. So 2 Chronicles chapter 18, starting from verse 28. And if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, as we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me. But you wear your royal robes, so the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to his chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. So when the Aramean chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There is the king of Israel, they shouted. But Jehoshaphat called out, and the Lord saved him. God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. As soon as the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, they stopped chasing him. An Aramean soldier 
who, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned to the driver of the chariot. I'm badly wounded. The battle raged all day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Arameans. In the evening, just as the sun was setting, he died. Chapter 19. When King Jehoshaphat of Judah arrived safely home in Jerusalem, Jehu, son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He asked the king. Because of what you have done, the Lord is very angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the land, and you have committed yourself to seeking God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word and for the truth that is contained in your scripture. And Lord, this morning we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you, that you would speak to us, O oh God, and help us as we learn lessons from this passage of scripture. And so, Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak and may you help us to be obedient, to respond to you, and to make the necessary changes that you desire us to make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. So even after the prophet Micaiah had warned them not to go into battle with Ramoth Gilead, because this was not what God wanted, and remember, Jehoshaphat was experiencing peace in the surrounding kingdoms. So there was no need for him to even bother going into battle. But because of Ahab's influence enticing him and the fact that he had formed an alliance and wanted to stay on Ahab's good side, Jehoshaphat decided they were going to go into battle. So they disobeyed what God had told them not to do. The true prophet Micaiah was locked up, and you'll see that if, if you read just previous to what we read, because of the fact that he told the truth and told them not to go, Ahab didn't want to hear what he had to say because Ahab wanted to do his own thing. Even though Jehoshaphat was the one who specifically asked for the advice of the Lord and who asked for them to consult God, he listened to what was said, but he didn't follow through and take the advice. My question to you is, has someone ever asked you for advice, for your godly wisdom on something, only not to take it? They've asked for your help, they've asked for your guidance, they've asked what you think or, or what the Bible talks about you should do, and you've told them, you've taken time to explain and tell them, maybe do research, but yet they don't take the advice. And I mean, it doesn't mean that everyone has to listen to everything we say, but especially when we've gone out of our way to help someone, it's, it's sort of difficult when they don't take your advice, they do their own thing, and then they land themselves in a big mess that could have been avoided. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so this is what happened to Jehoshaphat and in fact Ahab as well. The fact that they were told not to do something. God specifically warned them not to do it, and they still went ahead and did it anyways. It caused them to land themselves 
in a big mess, in a problem that could be avoided, all because they chose not to listen to God. Hmm. When God tells us and he speaks to us, do we always listen to what he says? Do we always listen and do we always say, yes, God, I will do that? You see, when we tell people something, when we've gone through it ourselves or where we've experienced it and we know for certain what we should or shouldn't do and, and we try to pass that on and people choose not to listen, it almost feels like saying, or we can almost feel like saying, I told you so, right? I told you so. Have you, have you said that to someone? I told you not to do that because that would happen. I told you not to go there because that was going to happen. My husband probably hears that a lot from me. When I, I, I told you so. Just, just don't question. Just listen. Just listen, right? <laughs> this could all have been avoided if only they had listened. But yet they thought they knew better. It's important when God speaks to us for us not to disregard what he says, but to listen and to be obedient. It's important for us to be careful not to intentionally disobey God. Not to intentionally disobey God and what he has told us not to do. It's interesting that Jehoshaphat was insisting on bringing the prophets in, but then after receiving the answer, they still decided to go into battle. You see, Jehoshaphat could have easily said, you know what, I do not feel at peace because God has told us not to go. And he could have made the decision for him and his troops because he was in charge, he was king of Judah, and say, we're not going to go. If you want to go, that's your choice. If you want to still go, even though God has already told us not to, then you go ahead. But he went ahead disobeying God, and he knew that God had said no. So he was intentionally disobeying what God had already told him. You see, we have to understand that when it comes to God telling us something and us disobeying, there are, are two things that we have to keep in mind. There are certain things that God tells us in order to stay away from because he knows that that is not good for us or that is not his perfect will for us, okay? So that's not necessarily his desire for us. But when we disobey God and we go against what his perfect will is for us, we now walk into what is called his permissive will. Okay, so we're, we're in his permissive will. It's what God now just allows because he allows us to make our own free choices and we have free will. And so we're now in his permissive will. Now that's not necessarily sin, but it is disobedience because it's not walking in the way that God desires for us to walk and it's not the, the perfect thing that God has set up for us. So we can often suffer the consequences because we're not walking in his perfect will, but his permissive will. So what does that mean? So an example of that is you end up marrying someone that you know you should not marry. God has already said to you, you don't feel at peace or you know that they're not a Christian or you know that they're not where they need to be spiritually or they're not doing the things that God expects of them, but you still go ahead and you marry them. 
Now, this is in God's permissive will because you get to make that choice. So he allows it to happen. And then in disobeying God, there is what we do that God tells us specifically in Scripture to stay away from because it is an act of sin. And when we disobey God and we sinfully commit that act, we are now walking in sin, in sinful nature. So when we do something that is specifically contrary to God's word, we have committed sin. So God has said, for example, committing adultery. There, there's no if, ands, or but about that. That is sin. And so by committing adultery, we disobey God. You see, you have to understand the difference. But regardless, our aim and our strive as Christians is to be to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. To obey God and what he wants from us. Because when we are walking in obedience to God, then we are walking in the will of God. We are walking in such a way with God's spirit that he is now in control. That he is leading us. And let me tell you, when God is leading you, he will take you good places. When we walk on our own, we walk in darkness because we're lost, because we don't know the direction. But when we have the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he leads us in paths of righteousness. He walks with us and clears the way. He walks with us and shows us what we cannot see on our own. And so when we walk in obedience to God, we walk knowing that we have God's Spirit with us that he is walking with us all the way. Unfortunately, Jehoshaphat disobeyed God. He disobeyed what God said, and he went against God's perfect will for him. And he, even though he knew better, you see, if God tells us no, if he tells us not to do something, if he tells us not to go somewhere, if he tells us not to, to, to take part in that, there is a good reason for why God is telling us. We may not necessarily know that reason, but we have to trust him. We have to trust that there are things that God sees that we don't. There are things that God knows that we don't. There are things that God knows is best for us and we don't. For those of you who are parents or grandparents, when your children or grandchildren may ask you to do something and you tell them no, you are hoping and you are trusting that they are going to obey what you have said because you're saying it because you love them. You're telling them not to do something because you love them and you care for them and you want them to be safe and protected and you want the best for them. And so you're, you're hoping that they trust what you say enough to know that you have more experience than they do. That they will listen to you because you know things that they don't know. Because you see things that they cannot see. And it's the same way with God our Father. He wants us as his children to trust him even when we don't understand to trust him even when it doesn't make sense, to trust him even when we don't know why or we want to do our own thing. He wants us to trust him enough to be obedient to what he tells us to do. Often we get ourselves in more of a mess than is necessary because we think we know best, because we want to help God out and do our own thing. 
And it's important that we are obedient to what God tells us to do. It's important that we pray and ask God. It's important that we seek God's word and know his word to know what it is that he says is wrong and we should stay away from and we shouldn't do. It's important that we seek godly advice and counsel. It's important that we are careful not to intentionally disobey God. So even though Ahab didn't believe Micaiah's warning, we see that he still decides to disguise himself. Now, Micaiah told him that if you go into battle, Ahab will be killed, okay? So Ahab figures, you know what? I'm going to disguise myself. Well, just in, just in case this prophecy is real, you know, I'm going to disguise myself so they won't even know that it's me. So look at what he says in verse 29. He says to Jehoshaphat, as we go into battle... I will disguise myself so that no one will recognize me. But you, you, Jehoshaphat, you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Do you know why he told Jehoshaphat to wear his royal robes? Well, you'll see in a minute. He told Jehoshaphat to wear his royal robes because he wanted the army to think that Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel. You see, the, the, the Armenian king and their oh, troops were expecting Ahab to come into battle against them. They were not expecting Jehoshaphat to come. So by telling him, you wear your royal robes, he was setting him up. You see how Jehoshaphat was? He was setting um, sorry, Ahab was, he was setting Jehoshaphat up so that they would think that Jehoshaphat was really Ahab and would go after him so that Ahab would be safe. You see, he was trying to hide from the people. And for a while, he did a good job of hiding from, from them. But it's important for us to remember that we may be able to hide from people, but we cannot hide from God. We may be able to hide from people, but we cannot hide from God. And I'm not talking about physically hiding. I'm talking about the, the fact that we can often try to hide who we really are from other people, right? When we, we dress ourselves up or we speak the way that people expect us to speak or we do the things that people expect us to do, we can sometimes put on a show, and I'm not saying that you do that, but I'm just telling you in general that we are often good at pretending to be something that we're not. And if you think about that, you ask yourself, why? Why do I pretend to be something I'm not? It's because we often seek approval from other people and we forget about the fact that it's only God's approval that we need. You see, we should care about what other people say. And what other people think. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But at the end of the day, if we're more concerned about what other people think and we're not concerned about God, then what are we doing? Why? Because if we're walking in obedience to God and we're living the way that God intends us to live and we're loving and we're displaying the fruits of the Spirit and we're doing what God wants us to do, the Bible tells us that against all those things, there's no law. We're not, we're not doing anything wrong. And so we can hide from uh, other people who we may be, but God sees us for who we are. 
God sees us. And it's important for us to remember that he sees everything. God knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows you better than you know yourself because he created you. And with God, there is no pretending. And when we come before God, we're, we, we need to be humble to know that he sees the depths of our heart. That he sees all that we have done, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He sees our thoughts and our motives. He sees everything that goes through our minds, even if it's not said out loud. He sees it all, but yet he still loves us. He sees it all, but yet he still loves us. You see, there's no pretending with God. In Psalm 139, it talks about where can I go from your spirits? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You see, there's no hiding from God. God sees who we are. And the thing is, he's not concerned about the things that we're often concerned about. He's not concerned about the things that people are often concerned about. You see, God's not concerned about the brand of the clothes you wear. But he is concerned about the brand that you're representing when you call yourself a Christian. God is not concerned about how much you spent on your car. But he is concerned about how much you're giving to those who are poor and needy and who don't have much when you've been blessed with so much. God is not concerned about the size of your home. He's concerned about the size of your heart. God is not concerned about the things that you've done in your past. He's concerned about the fact that you want to make changes to make your future better and that you want to change. You see, there is no pretending with God. He knows us and he loves us and we can just be who we are and walk with him knowing that he sees us. You see, it's time for us to stop being so concerned with the approval and seeking approval from other people, but it's time that we seek God's approval. Is this what he wants? Is this his will? Is this his desire for my life? So we see that upon going into battle, Ahab disguised himself to try to hide from the people, and he did that for a little bit. And he tried to hide because he didn't want to die, so he wanted to make sure that they didn't see him and they didn't know who he was. But because Jehoshaphat was wearing his royal robes, the army assumed that Jehoshaphat was King Ahab, and so they went after him. They went after him, and Scripture tells us they began to pursue him and attack him. You see, the Aramean king already told him, only seek after the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. They weren't concerned about the other people. They weren't concerned about the army. They wanted to attack the king of Israel. And Ahab knew that. That's why he disguised himself and told Jehoshaphat to wear his robes. The surrounding kingdoms were at peace with Jehoshaphat. It was Ahab that they were at war with. Verse 30 says, Meanwhile, the king of Aram had insisted that his orders to his commander, uh, his chariot, say, Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. 
So now Jehoshaphat found himself in the middle of a battle, in the middle of a war and fight that wasn't even his, that wasn't meant for him, that had nothing to do with him. But he found himself in the middle of this battle. My question to you is, do you often or do you sometimes find yourself in a battle that isn't yours? Do we sometimes find ourselves in the middle of battles that aren't even ours, that aren't ours to fight, that have nothing sometimes to even do with us? But that's where Jehoshaphat found himself. In the middle of Ahab's battle, he was caught up in. And it's important for us to learn to pick our battles wisely. You've probably heard that before. Pick your battles wisely. You see, there are so many things that often come against us and come around us and, and are there for us to try to fight and to deal with and to war with and, and to do all of those things. But it's important for us to ask ourselves, is this worth my time? Is this worth my energy? Is it worth my resources, my money? Is it worth my peace to fight? Is it worth my peace to argue? Is it worth all of that to make someone feel small or just to prove a point or to say that I was right? And of course, it's important for us to depend upon God to help us to fight those battles that come against us and to give us the victory. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the fact that sometimes we personally willingly engage in problems and situations that have nothing to do with us. That we get ourselves or we find ourselves in mixed up in other people's issues because we've chosen not to walk away. Like I said, Jehoshaphat could have easily said, you know what, this is not what God wants for me. I'm going to walk away from this. But because he didn't walk away, he found himself in trouble that could have been avoided because he chose not to. It's important for us when we know that something is wrong, when we know that we shouldn't be caught up in something, to walk away. You see, it's never too late to walk away. If you are caught up with your friends and they are engaging in activity, maybe vandalism or stealing or cheating or doing something that you know is wrong, it's not too late to walk away and to say, I want no part of this. I'm not doing this. This is wrong. If you are caught up with someone that you shouldn't be caught up with, it's important for you to say, you know what? This is not God's will for me. This is not right. Things that you're asking me to do is, is going against what I believe and the things that you want to do and walk away from it. You see, we can find ourselves in the middle of something just because we've put ourselves there, because of the choices that we've made. And sometimes we try to fight other people's battles and it ends up costing us our peace. It costs us our time. It causes us to stress and to overwhelm ourselves because we've now taken on their issues and their problems. And not every battle is ours to fight. Jehoshaphat should have walked away. He should have allowed God to intervene before he walked into that battlefield. But instead, he willingly entered in. It is okay to walk away. 
It is okay to pick your battle. It is okay to be wise and say, this is not worth my fight. This is not worth my time. This is not worth my peace. This is not my battle to fight and walk away. Leave it in the hands of God. Pick your battles wisely. So Jehoshaphat was caught in the crossfire between the army and because they thought that he was Ahab. He was wearing royal robes and he wasn't expecting Ahab to do this for him. And so when he realized what was happening, it tells us that he called out to God. Verse 31 and 32 says, When the Aramean chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There is the king of Israel, they shouted. But Jehoshaphat called out and the Lord saved him. God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. As soon as the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, they stopped chasing him. In a moment of desperation, you see, they were attacking Jehoshaphat. And in that moment of desperation, he calls out to God and the scripture says that God saved him. In a moment of desperation, he calls out to God and God saves him. It's important for you to remember that Jehoshaphat had just disobeyed what God told him. God told him not to do that, but yet he still went and did it. And now he's calling out for help because he disobeyed God and he's in a troubled situation now. And God in his grace and his mercy helps him. Wow. You see, God could have just left him and said, well, I told you so. You know, you, you clean up that mess now. But God is so gracious. He is so compassionate that even when we turn away, even when we disobey, even when we do our own thing, he is still gracious and compassionate because he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. That doesn't mean that God is not pleased with us, but God looks upon us with love. He looks upon us as his children with love, and he wants to help us. And sometimes we can sit back and say, you know, I've been praying for so long. I've been in this situation for so long. God does not hear me. God's not answering. God's not helping me. But you see, sometimes when we call out to God, when we genuinely call out to God, he hears us and he helps us. He genuinely hears us and he helps us when we call out to him. And that's point number four. But the way that he often may help us or the way that he may save us in this case for Jehoshaphat may not always be the way that we expect him to. And that's why a lot of people may say, you know, God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't help me through that situation. It's because we're looking for God in a way that he's not working, but he's working in another way. But may you be reminded that when we call upon the name of the Lord, he will save. When we call out to him, he will help us. Psalm chapter 50 verse 15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Psalm 91 verse 15 says, when he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. You see, God wants to help us. 
He wants to help us, but he also wants us to call out to him, to acknowledge the fact that we need his help, to acknowledge the fact that we need him to intervene because we cannot do it on our own. And when we call out to God, we're humbling ourselves and we're acknowledging, God, I can't do it on my own. God, I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not able to go on. I don't have the wisdom that you have. I don't have the resources that you have. I don't have the things that you have. God, I need you. Call upon him because he will help you. Call upon him and he will answer. Not always in the way that we expect him to, but he will. Not always on the timing that we want him to, but he will. May you be reminded that God hears us and he does help us. So when the Aramean army realized that Jehoshaphat was not Ahab, they stopped chasing him and they left him alone. Ahab was hiding between the Israelite troops. Remember, he was disguised. And we see what happens in verse 33. It tells us an Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops. Notice, it says he randomly shot an arrow. He didn't know where Ahab was. He wasn't even aiming at Ahab. He randomly shot this arrow and it hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned to the driver of the chariot. I'm badly wounded. And then we're told as the battle continued, as the sun was setting, Ahab died. You see, Micaiah had already prophesied that this was going to happen. And if you go back a few verses in chapter 18, you see that he prophesied that Ahab would die, especially if they go into battle, and hence why Ahab disguised himself. And so God said that it was going to happen, and it happened. Remember that when God says will happen, will always come to pass. What God says will happen will always come to pass. Now you need to understand that there's a difference between God giving us a warning and God making a promise or a declaration in something. When God warns us about something, what he's saying is, if you do not change and heed my warning, then this is going to happen. So often that is destruction or death or, or some kind of punishment that will happen. If you don't change your ways, then this is what's going to happen. So it's a warning, okay? So an example of that would be when God sent Jonah to the people of Nineveh to warn them if they didn't repent and change their ways, that destruction would come. And we see that if you read the story, you see that they repented, they changed their ways, and God relented. God did not send destruction their way. So that was a warning. Okay, another example of the fact that God, what God says will come to pass is when God makes a promise or a declaration about something. When he promises that something will happen, it will happen. Even if it takes long, 
even if we don't understand, even if it doesn't make sense. An example of that is God promising Abraham and Sarah that they will one day have a child. You see, God said that it will happen. And despite the fact that they didn't believe themselves because it took too long, the fact that everyone around thought that this was crazy because look at how old they are, look at how old she is, God said that it was going to happen. And when God says something, it's going to happen. What God says will happen will always come to pass. You see, God's word will not return empty. It will not return void, but scripture says it will accomplish the purposes for which he sent it forth for. God will not return, his word will not return void. What he says will happen, will happen. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. We know that he does not speak. Does he, not, does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? What God says will happen, will happen. You see, there aren't very many guarantees in this life. There aren't many things that you can say, we guarantee that that's going to happen, or you guarantee that that's not going to happen. And the one very few thing that we can guarantee is God's word. Because what he says will happen, will happen. There are promises that God has made to you as a Christian that he's made to me. There are promises that he has made to us that we need to trust him for. And even when it takes long, even when it doesn't seem like it's in sight, we need to trust him. There are promises that God makes in his word that we need to believe and know that they will come to pass. There are promises that we may individually experience from God. And we need to remember that if he says it's going to happen, it will happen. Trust him because God keeps his promises. He keeps his word and we can trust him. So Ahab didn't take the warning from Micaiah seriously and it resulted in his death. And Jehoshaphat learned some major lessons the hard way. We're almost done. After Ahab returned home, we see that Jehu rebuked him and told him that the Lord was angry with him. The Lord was angry with him. You know why God was angry with Jehoshaphat? Because Jehoshaphat disobeyed what God told him would happen. And by disobeying, he found himself in trouble. God bailed him out. And God was angry because it didn't need to happen. He disobeyed and this ended up happening. Verse 3 says, even so, this is Jehu talking to Jehoshaphat. Even so, there is some good in you. For you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the land and you have committed yourself to seeking God. You see, even though all that bad had just happened, even though Jehoshaphat had disobeyed God, Jehu was able to see the good in Jehoshaphat. It's important for us to learn to look for the good in people instead of the bad. Learn to look for the good in people. You see, as humans, naturally, we look for the bad things in people. We look for the negative, or those are the things we remember or we dwell on. 
an example. You know, you can do so much good for someone. You can do so many favors. You can go out of your way to help people. But the one time you forget, the one time you don't do it, the one time you say no, what do they remember? No, seriously, right? The one time you, you don't do something for, that's what they talk about. That's what they tell other people. That's what they remember, they hold on to. This is human nature, right? It's because naturally we tend to look for the negative things. We tend to dwell on the negative things. We tend to point out what's wrong in the situation instead of the things that are right. And we need to train ourselves to intentionally look for the good in people instead of the bad. You see, we all have things that we could point out that are wrong with us, but we need to remember to look for the good. Could you imagine if God only saw the bad in us? If God didn't see any potential or any good in us, imagine, he wouldn't waste his time. But God looks upon us, and even though he sees all of the bad, all of the mistakes, all of the sin, all of the wrong, he looks past that and he sees the good. He looks past that and he sees the potential. He looks past that and we, he sees things that we don't see or other people don't see. If God only saw the bad like what most people see in people, he wouldn't have saved anyone. He wouldn't have saved Noah and his family in the flood. He would have destroyed everything. If God only saw the bad and not the good, he would have destroyed Lot and his family along with Sodom and Gomorrah. If God only saw the bad in people and not the good and potential, he would have destroyed Saul and never encountered him and changed him to turn him and rename him to Paul and use him for his honor and glory. You see, if God only saw the bad in people and not the potential and the good, he would have never sent his son Jesus. You see, God looks upon us and even though there's so much bad, there's so much evil and there's so much negativity, he sees the good, he sees the potential, he sees us the way that others don't. And it's important for us to learn to look for the good in people, to look for the good in the situation that may be bad, to look for the blessing despite all that's happening around us, to train ourselves to do that. May you see others the way that God sees them. May you look at others the way God looks at them. Because I believe that when we start to look at people the way that God looks at them, then we'll start to love in the midst of a world filled with hate. That we'll start to forgive more easily when other people wrong us. That we'll start to show compassion even when we don't think other people deserve it or mercy. You see, when we look at other people the way that God looks at them, then we start to change and become more like the person that God desires us to be. There are so many things that we can learn from Jehoshaphat and from Ahab. Unfortunately, Jehoshaphat learned some of these lessons the hard way. But may you and I take these lessons. May we ask God to help us, to change us, to put them into practice, and to please God in everything that we do. Be careful not to intentionally disobey God. We may be able to hide from God, from people, but remember that we cannot hide from God. We need to pick our battles wisely. We need to remember that when we genuinely call out to God, he hears us and he helps us. 
Remember that what God says will happen will always come to pass. And remember that you need to learn to look for the good in others instead of the bad. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the many lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. And Lord, we know that there are so many things that we need you for. We know that we need thee, oh, we need thee, every hour we need thee. And we look to you, God, and we acknowledge that you are great, that you are good, that you are worthy of every praise that we have to give. And we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would come and meet with us, that you would come and challenge our hearts and our minds, that you would come and help us to become the people that you desire us to be. And so, Father, we look to you and we ask that you would draw close to us, that you would help us to walk in obedience to you and to your word, that you would remind us, Lord, that you see everything and we can come before you honestly and raw and genuine and bare and not pretend, but to know that we can be real with you, oh God. Father, we pray that you would help us to pick our battles wisely. We pray that, Father, you would help us to remember that what you say will happen will happen. That we don't need to try to force the situation, but we need only to trust you, to stand still and watch you work, oh God. And we pray that you would help us to look for the good, to, to look for the good in people, to look for the good and the blessing in situations, to look upon people in this world the way that you look upon them. And so, Father, we thank you that you are great and you are greatly to be praised. And so may you go ahead of us. May your blessing continue to follow us. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, to live lives that are pleasing to you and honoring to you in everything that we do and everything that we say. We commit ourselves to you once again, anew and afresh. Have your way in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.